Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. John chapter 6, verse number 1, and um, what's interesting about this story, many of you all know the story of the lad, the boy, the child, and the five, uh, the, the loaves and the fish, and we're going to look at that today. He had five loaves, two fish, brought them to Jesus, but what's interesting about this is it's one of the only stories that is carried along all four Gospels. All four Gospels give us a little bit different of a point of view of, of, this, of this story, of this narrative. And um, I think any time that something is in all four Gospels, it ought to get our attention. Um, and so I want to just read it quickly because I know many of you all know it. But I want to bring something specific out today. It says, some time after this, Jesus crossed over to the far shore. Now notice he, uh, it was the sea of Galilee. That's going to be important. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. So he's developing this following based on the miracles that he's doing. And Jesus goes up on a mountainside and he sits down with his disciples. And it says the Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and he sees this great crowd, all these people are following. It's a little bit of a surprise, but they're They're following him based on his teaching, his miracles, all these things. And Jesus says to Philip, he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, John gives this this great detail that I don't know if if, if it's brought out very often, but it's in verse 6. He asked this only to test him. He asked it just to test Philip. He didn't ask him to really get bread from Philip because it says he already had in mind what he was going to do. Isn't that interesting? So he didn't ask Philip so Philip would say, yeah, we could go down to all these over here. It says he asks him to test him because Jesus already had a plan. Philip answers him, eight months wages. This is what he says to Jesus. Eight months wages. Verse 7, okay, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have a bite. Verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. So there's 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children. Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks. He distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, his disciples gathered, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. I love that, that there was actually leftovers after everybody ate. Turn to somebody and welcome them in the house today. And once you've done that, God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for being in the house today. God bless you. 
I, um, I, was, I was, recently I was at a restaurant with my kids, and um, how many, how many uh, have ever been at a restaurant, and the, the waiter or the waitress, they come to you, and they, they say, do you want to hear our specials? A few of you guys have, have seen this. Let me ask that one more time, because I feel like maybe the, y'all, might more of y'all go out to eat than that, but... How many ever been like the waiter, the waitress, they come up and you kind of have in your mind, I'm just going to get the turkey sandwich, but then they come and they typically have like all these specials to read over and, and it's, we got this fish, we got the soup of the day, we've got this uh, special dish, whatever that, you know, is the famous recipe. You guys know what I'm talking about? I normally have it in my head what I want, but I can be persuaded if there's a good argument, right? You know, I'm going to get the turkey sandwich, but if the waitress is like, hey, you have to try the special chili here. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's, it's the chef's grandma's recipe, and you, just, you, will, you will be doing yourself a disservice if you don't try the chili. Well, I was traveling, and so if I'm traveling, I'm thinking I'm never going to be back to this place ever again. And so the waiter tells me, to, you got, he, he says, well, on the specials is, is this fish. And I thought, you know what? Sure, let's do it. It's a special. Let's do the fish. And he goes, you know what? I might need to check and make sure we still have that. So I thought, okay, well, that's fine. All right. He goes in the back. He comes out, and he goes, hey, we don't have that anymore. And I thought, well, why did you ask me if I wanted to have it if we don't even have it in the kitchen anymore? Now, what I, what I want you to understand today is that when God asks you a question, it's something He already has a plan for. It's something He already has an answer for. When God asks you a question, it's something He already has provision for. It's something He can deliver on. It's something He can bring out. It's something he can do for you. Understand, God will never send you through something that he can't bring you out of. I know it's the summer Sunday, but I just got it in my spirit. I got a little passion and desire today to see faith break out and just somebody realize before God even asked me the question, before I even woke up in that trial, before I even woke up in that day, God already had a way out. God already had an answer. God already had provision. He already had direction to bring me through. And so what Jesus was asking the disciples, it wasn't about the soup du jour, but it was about loaves and fish. And he was asking them this question because he wanted to teach them that even if there's a gap in your life, I can make up the difference. Even if there's a shortage in your life, I am everything that you need. And many of us, sometimes we think that we have the answer because God's asking us the question, but how many know Jesus is the answer? I remember that uh, when, I was, when I was growing up in the, the church that I grew up in, when I, when I was in college, I was pursuing ministry and doing different things. And so anything that I could do in my home church, anything they would let me do, I was, I was up for doing. And uh, I remember I was kind of the backup, backup, backup kids preacher. <laughs> I was like third on the roll, maybe fourth in line, I don't remember. And I remember uh, anytime I would teach in the kids' church, 
any question I would ask, the answer was, the kids would always answer was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They just realized that Jesus was the right answer to any question. You could say, who created the earth? Jesus? Like, well, (laughs) without getting into the depths of, you know, Christology, oh yeah, okay, fine. You know? Uh, and it, you would ask, uh, you know, who, who, uh, you know, whatever. Jesus, that just was always the answer. But I thought about how Jesus said, "You got to come to me like a little child." And sometimes it can be a, you could go round and round and talk it up and down and talk about the solution and the problem and the puzzle that life is. But sometimes if you boil it all down. Just like a child would say, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to my problem. He's the answer to my pain. He's the answer to my need. He's the answer to my, my, the gap in my life. And I think there's so many times that God wants us to just stop talking, stop interrupting Him, stop trying to figure it all out, stop running around and just say, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my direction. Jesus is my provision. Jesus is everything that I need. I think that that sometimes God leads us into things just to get it in our spirit. Jesus is the answer. And so here it is in the text. When the Lord begins to do this, He shows them that even though there's a test... There's a miracle provision ready and available in the middle of the thing. It says in verse 6 that he asked this only to test him. I thought, Lord, so sometimes you're bringing us through things just to test us? Sometimes I'm being asked a question because God already knows what he's doing. Don't let that be a surprise to you today. God already knows what he's doing. Am I in the Bible? Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew there's a boy in Galilee whose mama has two fish left over from the broil last night. And five loaves left over. The Lord, in His infinite wisdom, knew, catch that today, that in that basket of dinner last night, there's five loaves left over. And Mama's putting it in the basket of this boy. And Jesus asks Philip, what are we going to do? But Jesus already knows that the answer is coming in a boy's lunchbox. I feel faith of getting a little momentum in the house today. So it wasn't like my waiter that said, yeah, I think we have the mahi. Let me go check. Jesus knows the answer is in a boy's lunchbox. Here's the interesting thing, though, I want you to know. Is he goes to Philip, and in verse number one, I told you it was going to be important. It says they were in Galilee. Now, if you do a little study, you'll recognize that the disciple Philip, that was actually his hometown. He's from Galilee. So Jesus didn't just pick one of the disciples at random to ask, where are we going to get food for all these folks? He asked the disciple that was from that town. 
So if we were all going out to, to eat and it was like, I know that he's from Orlando or he's from the north side suburb of whatever it is, Altamont or Longwood or Sanford or whatever, then you would ask that person, hey, where can we go for lunch? Where can we go to get some food? But he's asking Philip, intending to test Philip. Because number one, he's from Galilee. Number two, he knows all the resources in that city. He knows where the restaurants are. He knows where the takeout is. He knows where a good place to eat. If any of the disciples would know, it would be Philip. He would have phone numbers saved in his phone and say, hey, I know somebody that can bring some food. And so in that moment, Philip is now being tested saying, am I going to rely on my instincts, my ability, my answer, my connections, my Rolodex? Does anybody know what that is? I'm going to have to explain that in the second service. It's a little bit younger crowd. Uh, in my phone, num- my phone book, am I going to rely on that or am I going to rely on the Lord? And so now Philip is, is in this moment of decision saying, Lord, I, I think I know where I could get some food, but I don't know where I could get 4,999 more lunches. And the Lord is asking to test their faith. Philip, you know we need a lot of fish here. Philip, where can we get that provision from? Philip, how are we going to get this much food? Uh, We might have one lunch, but we're still 4,999 short. How are we going to make up that bridge? How are we going to make up that gap? I'll tell you that I would say all of us in the house, in the 9 and the 11 service, I'm just going to prophesy over the 11 service, have had points in our life where we look at what's in our hand and we look at what the need is and we realize With my Rolodex, with my connections, with my debit card, I cannot meet the need that I have. And there are moments that God will let you walk into just to realize I cannot bridge the gap that is in my life. And I'm faced with the fact that I've got one lunch, but I need 4,999 more in my life. How many know what it's like to have a huge gap in your life? Maybe it's food. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's relationship. I don't know what it is. But I think all of us have felt a big gap in our life. And we're looking at the broken pieces of our life. Thinking how could this ever meet all of the need? How could this ever come back together? And here's Philip thinking, Lord... This is my hometown and I don't have an answer. Here's Philip saying, I know where Sam's Club is, but I don't think they've got enough on hand. I know where Costco is, but I don't think they've got enough on hand. My aunt's a good cook and she lives down the street. Are you with me? Grandma lives down the street, but there's no way she can crank up 4,999 lunches. My resources cannot meet this thing Even though what I have, I have. And even though what I know, I know. I can't meet all that need. And I'll tell you, God will let us go through things where we say, I know a good doctor, but medicine can't do what I need. I know a good hospital, but I need the great physician right now. 
I need a divine healer right now. I've got a few months of savings, but this is bigger than all of that. I love God and I serve God, but this is a very big gap in my life. And Jesus brought them to this place just to question where their faith was at. Is my faith in my ability? Is my faith in my answer? Is my faith in my resources? Is my faith in some connection? Or is it in Jesus? I've gave this one before, but I still love it. It's like the little boy that was praying one night. He said, Lord, bless my mom. Bless my dad. Bless my brother. Bless my sister. Bless grandma. Bless grandpa. And then he yells at the top of his lungs. Jesus, I need a new bike. And his, after he said amen, he, the mom said, Honey, God is not hard of hearing. You did not have to yell that you need a new bike. And the boy said, Yeah, I know Jesus isn't hard of hearing, but grandpa kind of is. And he's in the living room right now. And what happened is sometimes we look to Jesus for the need, and other times we look to other folks for the need. And what Jesus was asking Philip, are you relying on me, or are you relying on people you know in town? And I don't know about anybody else, but I've done that before. I think all of us can agree. I've been in places where there was a big gap in my life, and I looked here, and I looked there, and I looked everywhere else. And when I couldn't feel it, finally I go to the Lord and Jesus is saying, I was testing you. I was waiting how long and see how many different places you'd go. But then we've got to realize it's only Jesus that can satisfy that need. And I know everybody's faced gaps in their life. I'd say everybody has a gap in their life today. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's faith. Maybe it's strength, maybe it's health, maybe it's hope, maybe it's your own sanity, maybe it's a, a failing relationship, or there's struggles in your family. I don't know what it is, but there's a gap between what you have and what you need. There's a gap between where you are and where you need to go, and there's a battle in your mind between fear and peace, between worry and, and, and peace. And, and there's a gap in your life. And you say, I, I've got one, but I've got so far to go. And what God is calling you to do is to just say, I'm going to let go of the weariness. I'm going to let go of the fear. I'm going to let go of all of that. And I'm going to say, Lord, I don't know where the answer is, but I still believe that Jesus is my answer. I wonder if anybody in the house would help me today. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my provision. Jesus is everything that I need. You know, um, I'll just give you a spoiler alert here. God will lead you to a place where the need is bigger than what you have. And even if you are blessed in whatever area it is, God will lead you to a place where the need is bigger than what you have. Sometimes just to test. 
In fact, sometimes you might be blessed, but God will let a financial need come just to remind you that he has the cattle, what it said is, he has the cattle on a thousand hills. You might have cattle on a hill, but when the cattle's all gone, I'm looking to the one that has cattle on a thousand hills. You, you, you might have a need in your body that's big. You might have ibuprofen in your medicine cabinet. But God will let a pain in your body, he'll let a, a, a healing, a need in your body come that ibuprofen can't deal with. And, and you'll say, Lord, this ibuprofen isn't touching this thing. I need, I need some, some Holy Ghost anointing oil to wash over this pain in my life. Because ibuprofen didn't touch it, Lord. And, and, and my savings account can't cover it, Lord. And I'm talking to, to my family member or my spouse or my children, but my voice isn't getting to them. I just need the peace speaker right now. I just need the one that speaks with a still small voice right now. I need the Lord to speak into that situation. And God will let, when we think we've got it all figured out, God will let a struggle come in that's more complex than we can fix. And I'll just tell you, you are not alone in that. Philip was not alone in that. Every man and every woman on the planet lives with a gap that you cannot connect the dots between what you have and what you need. Or where you're at and where you need to go. But the only one that can fill that gap is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can take you from here to there. I don't care if somebody's got all the money. I don't care if somebody's got all the thing. They still can't go from earth to heaven. Because Jesus is the only name given under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. So nobody can get from here to heaven without Jesus. So I can't get to where I need to go without Jesus. And so I want to just tell somebody today, if you're trusting him with your salvation, trust him with your bank account. Trust him with your every day. Trust him with your Monday. Trust him with your job. Trust him with your family. Trust him with your marriage. Trust him with everything because I can't get where I need to go without Jesus. Maybe you say here today, well, there's probably a rich guy that could pay for lunch for the rest of his life. There probably is, but money don't fix everything. There's still gaps in his life. There's still gaps in her life. Rich folks die every day. They need Jesus. Rich folks need doctors every day that doctors don't have the answer. They need the healer. Rich folks, poor folks, in-between folks, doesn't matter. Everybody goes through things where their mind is discouraged. Their heart is down. And they need the one that can step into their boat, step into their storm, and say, let peace come right now. Talent and intellect doesn't fix everything. God will let you go through something that's beyond your intellect. That's a struggle to put together. And you'll realize if God is not in the equation, I'm coming up short. 
And what Jesus wanted the disciples to realize and Philip to realize, Philip, run over to Sam's club. You're still not going to touch this need. Do whatever. Go wherever. But you'll always come up short. And I want the church to realize today you got to have Jesus in your life. Jesus ought to be the first one you run to. Jesus ought to be the first place you go to. Ought to be the first one you call on. Because only Jesus can bridge that gap. I want to show you a few things. Looks like the first one's already on the screen. He already has the answer. He already has the answer. You know, what I want you to get today is God won't ask you something that he doesn't already have the answer for. He won't wake you up in a day that he doesn't already have grace and mercy in. It said his mercy was new every morning. You might already need mercy to end today. What time is it? Somebody help me. It's 10 o'clock. You might already need some mercy for today. Nobody going to help me preach. You might, have had, you might have been somebody driving real slow on a two-lane road coming into church, and you already need some mercy today. But guess what? Mercy's already new today. Mercy's already new every morning. Not only mercy, but it said grace, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So, so <laughs> you got to get that. So the Lord knows how much sin is going to be there. And he said, I'm going to just make sure there's a little bit more grace. Wherever there's sin, I'm going to make sure there's just a little more grace. If sin is there, grace is going to mop it up. If sin is there, grace is going to saturate it. If there's, I don't know how you measure sin. If there's 10 pounds of sin, there's 11 pounds of grace. Because God already did the math on it. He already has the answer for it. And and it said, by his stripes we're healed. Where there's sickness, there's already healing. Where there's sin, there's already grace. Where there's a need, there's already provision. Where there's hunger, there's already a basket on the way. Notice here it said in verse 5, he sees this great crowd and he says, Where shall we buy bread for the people to eat? He says he asked them only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Verse 7, it says, uh, Philip said, you know, we, we wouldn't have enough here even if, if, if we had a, a half a year's wages or eight months' wages. We wouldn't have enough there. What I want to show you is that he will never put you in something that he's not capable of bringing you out of. He'll never allow a need in your life that he's not capable of supplying. He'll never lead you into something that he's not capable of bringing you out of. He'll never ask you a question that he isn't the answer for or he doesn't already have an answer for. He will not bring you into something that he's not capable of leading you out of. Here's what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It said, no temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. So I think sometimes one of the lies of the enemy is you're the only one going through it. Now you might be the only one going through exactly what you're going through, but the struggle is still common. You might say, I can't pay my light bill. Well, there's somebody that can't pay their phone bill. 
And so it, it might be a little different, but it, it's, it, the, no temptation is coming to you except what's common to folks. And God is faithful. Remember, God's faithful. He's faithful every day. He's faithful all the time. He's faithful everywhere. He's in, a, he's in every situation. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's closer than a brother. And he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So no matter what you woke up in today, God has a way out. God has a path forward. God has someday, he's going to wipe every tear from your eye. The rain cloud is going to run out of rain someday. The rain cloud cannot rain for all ways. Some point that cloud is going to run out of rain. Jesus said, we are the, the Jesus said, peace be still. And that storm stopped. Bible said weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I want to tell somebody, whatever you're walking in right now, God has a way out. God has a way through. God has a direction forward for you. Somebody ought to say amen to that. I thought about how Abraham was walking up the mountain to worship the Lord, to offer a sacrifice, but he didn't have a sacrifice. And, and the question was, you know, Abraham, will you go up on the top of the mountain to worship and Abraham's answer is yes. So he, he has the mule to get up the mountain. He has the firewood to get up the mountain. He's got the stones. I don't know if they had matches or what. I don't, but he's got all, this, all the gear. And it would be like writing the check in the offering that you know there's nothing in the bank. I'm not telling you to do that, by the way. But if God tells you to do it, do it. Right? He's going up the mountain to sacrifice, and he don't have a sacrifice. It'd be like writing. The, I mean, I don't know. I, I, again, this is going to be one of those things I have to explain to the second service. It'd be like writing a check, and you know there's nothing in the bank. My kids one time they said, "Just write a check for it." It's like, son, there has to be money in the bank to write a check. You can't just. They just think if you got a hundred checks, you can just write whatever you want on a check. And, <laughs> And Abraham's son Isaac goes, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And he says, the Lord will provide. He's writing the check. The Lord will provide. And so he gets to the top of the mountain, and all of a sudden, there's a ram. And he says, there's a ram. Let's sacrifice the ram. It's like, wrote the check. The next day, direct deposit. Boom. The Lord is a provider. And that's exactly what Abraham said on the way up the mountain. He said, son, the Lord is a provider. He said, I don't have a sacrifice right now, but Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. And I'll tell you, there's something powerful if we'll just say, I'm walking through a mountain right now. I'm walking through a valley. I don't know how to get through it, but the Lord's a provider. And the Bible said, here it is in Genesis 22 and 14, that Abraham now, he calls that place, the Lord will provide. 
In the King James, it was Jehovah Jireh. It's the compound name of God. From that moment forward, it became God's name, the Lord will provide. I want to tell you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know what you're walking through, but somebody ought to get it in their spirit today and just say, the Lord will provide. Walk the walk. Talk the talk. Write the check. Give faith in it and just say, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know how it's going to come through, but the Lord will provide. Somebody ought to take a praise break right there and just get it in their spirit. God will provide. Amen. Amen. I love that because what a powerful illustration that was for Isaac to see his father say, the Lord's going to provide. You know, when we were in school, we always had the answer before the test. We never took a test on anything that the teacher hadn't already had already uh, covered. Right? It was now we might not have been paying attention, <laughs> but the teacher had gone over that material. Information is always given prior to a test. In other words, when the teacher tests you, it's over material they've already given you. The answer to the material, the answer to the test was in the material that was already given. The teacher, when they're a good teacher, they've already put in the student what the test is meant to draw out of them. Already put in you what's needed to pass the test. And in 1 John 4 and 4, it said, You're of God, little children. You're the children of God. And you will overcome them because the one that's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. And so whatever the world can throw at you, God's already put in you what you need to overcome Whatever test the world will bring you. Because he's already put it in you. It's a powerful lesson right there. And so there's examples throughout the Bible of people that have overcome. They've been delivered. They've been set free. They've been saved out of peril, of sword, of bondage, of prison. They've been blessed in the face of, of tremendous need or, or healed in the face of sickness, saved by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But look at those situations and understand God had already provided the answer. I want somebody to highlight, to double underline verse 6 in their Bible this week and just recognize Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He already had the answer. And you've got to know the same thing is true in your life. God already has the answer. Jesus knew where that food supply was going to come from. He knew that boy was coming to hear him teach. And if, even if that boy would have somehow turned around, Jesus knew, I've got all the cattle on a thousand hills. If it's not a fish lunch, it's going to be a steak lunch. It's going to be a hamburger lunch. He, has, he can provide all of your needs according to his riches in glory. I just believe Jesus knew if all else fails, I'll call down 10,000 angels. And the same thing's true in your life. 
Whatever you're going through, Jesus has the answer. How many say amen to that? Guys, see how long I've been preaching. Number two is little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. Look uh, at, at uh, Peter in verse 8 and 9. It says another one of his disciples, uh, uh, rather look at Andrew. It says Simon, Peter's brother. Look at Andrew here. Um, it, it's, a, it's a boy with, um, he says, here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So Andrew speaks up and, and he brought this lunch to the Lord. And Andrew didn't know how far it would go. But here's one thing he knew and here's one thing to get today. He knew it would go farther in the Lord's hands than anybody else's. I love that. It's just one lunch, Lord. I know we're still 4,999 short, but I know who can make up the gap. I, I, I know that we're not even close, but if I put this in the God's hands, then I know that the gap can be. He wasn't delirious. He knew there's a gap. He actually said, I don't know how far this will go among so many, but Lord, here it is. And sometimes in our life, you don't have to be, faith does not have to be delirious. You can come to the Lord and say, Lord, it's not much, but what I have, I'll give you. Matt just said it at the offering with the widow's might. I know that it's probably not going to pay the light bill for the temple today, Jesus, but here's what I've got. And Jesus looked at what the widow brought and said, this was more than anybody else brought because she brought everything she had. This was everything the boy had. So there's power in just saying, Lord, I don't know if it's enough. I don't know how far it'll go. But God, here's everything I've got. And when you give Jesus everything you've got, i got to tell somebody, it's enough. And it's more in his hands than it is anybody else's. That's why I want my life to be in God's hands. That's why I want my life to be in God's hands. Because it's more in his hands than it is in mine. That's why I want my finances in God's hands. Because it's more in his hands than it is in mine. That's why I want my health, my soul, my salvation, my family. I want it to all be in his hands. Because in my hands, I'm 4,999 short. But in God's hands, He has a way of blessing it. He ha oh, somebody help me out. He has a way of multiplying it. He has a way of meeting every need. He has a way of saying, hey, they gave everything they've got. Not going to let them beg for bread. Not going to let them go hungry. That is my child. Music come. I'm going to close. I'm going to close with this. So where do we get all of this? Jesus, he took five loaves, he took two fish. And I want to show you how the gap was really filled. In verse 10, it says they sat down 5,000 people. Jesus says, have them sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. The men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And in that moment, I want you to understand how daunting that is. We got one lunch. Jesus is here. He's ministering. We, we don't want the ministry to be interrupted here. I mean, people are being healed. People are being saved. Jesus is, is teaching and, 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 and preaching. And 
they're thinking, we, we don't want this to be interrupted. We don't want to miss out on, on what Jesus wants to teach us today. And, and certainly I need a miracle and they need a miracle. And so I just saw a blind guy get his eyes opened. And we don't want this to stop. But folks are hungry. And we know they're going to start trickling out and, and going off and stuff. And so, so this is a daunting need. And the disciples are behind the scenes trying to fix that need. Where can we get some food? How can we solve this situation? Andrew says, well, there's one little guy over here. He packed a lunch. And Lord, I don't know how far it'll go. Because I see a huge crowd. But Lord, I don't know how far it'll go. But if this could keep the ministry going, here's five loaves and two fish. And Jesus, in verse 11, he takes the loaves... And he gives thanks. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'd have had a hard time giving thanks when I'm 4,999 short. If my light bill, God forbid, was $5,000 and I have a buck, I'm going to have a hard time saying, Lord, thanks for this $1. But Jesus showed us the example of putting it in God's hands, giving thanks for what we do have, and saying, Lord, I know you can make up the gap. Notice here, it says, I want to read the rest of that verse, gave thanks and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. So he takes the loaves, he gives thanks, and distributes. What I notice there is Jesus does not even pray for the gap. He doesn't pray, hey, this is just one. We need 4,999 more. He gave thanks, believed, and went forth in action. Abraham went up the mountain writing a check he knew was going to bounce. And sometimes we've got to give thanks for what we've got and then take that step of faith anyways. Distribute it anyways. Release it anyways. Let go of it anyways. And so this third point here is just start with giving thanks. I think so many of us start with saying, God, I don't have this, I don't have that, I need this, I need that, I'm messed up and mixed up about this, I don't have a solution for that, I don't have an answer for this, God, I need this, God, I need you to do that with them, I need you to do, you know what I'm saying, anybody pray like that? <laughs> yeah. But Jesus shows us Start with giving thanks. How do I give thanks when I've only got one and I'm 4,999 short? I'll tell you, you can thank God because He's in charge. God, I thank you for the one, and I also thank you that you're in charge of the other 4,999 that I need, and you can send them here, and you can send it out, and I know that you can do it. And so what we've got to learn how to do is to give thanks for what we've got and then say, Lord, 
I thank you that you're in control. I thank you that you created the ocean. You created the sea. You created the lakes. You created the fish. You can multiply the fish. You can supply the fish. You can answer every need. It kind of reminds me of Philippians 4 and 6 where it says, Don't be anxious of anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what it's saying is, yeah, pray, but do it with thanksgiving. And I think the problem is we kick it off by saying, I need fish, I need loaves, I need this, I need that. But God is saying, start with thanks and believe that I can do it. Say it with me today. I want to open this altar today and just give you an opportunity to worship, just to give thanks. I believe it's so powerful to just in your spirit today get a thanksgiving in your heart that says, God, I thank you for what I do have. I thank you for where I am at. I might not be where I want to be, but I thank you for where I'm at right now. I might not have everything that I want, but I've got everything that I need. And I'm thankful for that today. How many just lift up their hands all over this house? I want to pray over you, give you an opportunity to worship today. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. I just praise you for everything you've done in our lives today, God. I thank you, Jesus, because you truly are the the giver of life, Lord. You truly are the creator of heaven and earth. And God, everything I need, you can supply. God, everything that I I need, Lord Jesus, you have. And you already have the answer for me today. How many believe that today? Just call on the Lord today in your own way. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Move the immovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. Once again. Thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.